0: Guys like him don't exist
1: outside of God's grace.
0: Hello and welcome to Some Assembly Required our podcast over here at Waynefleet BIC Church where we discuss life through the lens of our Anabaptist roots and today we have a very special episode we are not at the church today usually we record at the church but we are somewhere special and um, you'll have to go um, to our social media to have a look at some of the pictures of where we are but I'm actually in a garage today sitting in front of a Harley-Davidson motorcycle which maybe sounds strange as unless you know that we are in fact at Ozzy's Garage and I'm joined by Rick Osborne. Hi Rick.
1: Hi, how
2: are thanks you? For, <laughs>
0: thanks for having us today and also Pastor Trevor Main.
2: Yeah, no, it's good to be in Ozzy's Garage. I've been looking forward to, to seeing this place and finally now it's nice to be able to be here.
0: Yeah, so we're in Port Colborne, and um, Rick, can you tell us about the garage, how it came to be?
1: Well, you know, COVID knocked the socks out of what I was doing before, and I really could only work with one boy at a time, yeah. Just for safety and different things, and so I had a little shed in my backyard. I guess it's fourteen by ten, sure. And uh, it had needed the roof done, and it needed some other, but had good bones. And so my boys and I built it. Awesome. So we did with some friends, some Christian friends, yeah. And uh, did the roof, did the insulation, uh put Bible verses in the poly before we put the oh, nice. walls up. The good boys picked the Bible verses that would be good for them and, and would make this a safe place. And, and then we start building, we build custom Harleys and this is our little spot back here.
0: Awesome. Well, it looks great. You guys have obviously worked really hard and, um, Yeah, it looks great. It was great to have you as part of our service yesterday and to hear your testimony Um, It was really encouraging. So can you share maybe about some of the the kids that come here or the boys? I guess you call them your boys. Yeah, yeah, my boys. So why do they come or how do you find
1: them? Well, you know, for one thing, sometimes churches have boys that fall through the cracks. Yeah. And that that is spiritual warfare at its finest. Yes. Right. I, I used to joke, but not really that pastor's sons were well-represented in the penitentiary. Ah, uh, I met three or four pastor's sons in there, and it really yeah. shocked me. And then as I became a Christian, I realized, oh, that's what's going on there. Yeah. You know? Uh, and then from different organizations that, um, so foster homes, mm-hmm. group homes, places like Raft and Port Cares and different things like this. And then police officers and community resource officers, like SROs, school resource mm-hmm. officers. So at-risk boys that are falling through the cracks even of the social justice systems that exist yeah um, and are basically won't work with anybody else or have they've given up on them yeah so drug abuse addiction so uh, what but me- abuse is yeah. really the bottom line they've yeah. been abused and now they're acting out
0: so what makes you kind of different why do they keep coming back <laughs>
1: okay well <laughs> I kind of have to go back. When I was in prison, when I became a Christian and then God lined up so I could go to treatment, I did treatment for a year in Sault Ste. Marie. Mm-hmm. When I was there in treatment where it's really egocentric, right? It's the one time really as an adult, you can be egocentric, right? Yeah. If, you're, if you don't fix what's wrong with you addiction-wise, you're no good to anybody else. Yeah. So, so I was really paying attention to what was going on and I was realizing that all the other guys were me. We'd all been damaged between about 14, 15 years of age to 17, 18, 19 years of age and then lived out our lives damaged. Yeah. We didn't live 10 years. We lived one year 10 times, right? Mm -hmm. We really weren't growing. And so when it got time for me where I actually saw the light at the end of the tunnel that I would be getting out of prison, God was just saying to me, it's your turn. Mm -hmm. And what that meant was all through my life, I can... I could get on the whiteboard here and write you the name of the old men who came into my life and moved me forward or kept me safe. Mm-hmm. And now it's my turn to be that old man. Oh, wow. And so I came out with that kind of thing. I'm just going to spend time with them. That's where Truth for Teens, our charity umbrella, mm-hmm. came from. Not from the Bible verse, the truth will set you free. But really from verily, verily, when Jesus would talk, oh, right, yeah. where he would say, this is the truth. Mm-hmm. Right. And he would say and I just went, you know, if I can if I can spend any time with young men that are damaged and they know my story, how damaged I've been and see me not being damaged now and spend time with me doing something cool, yes. whether it's a hot rod or a Harley, um, that'll let me be able to get into their lives. Right? Yeah, meet them where they're at. And, and mm-hmm. remember, we in our service, we seeds. Yes, I was it's, just thinking that yeah, when yeah.
0: you were talking about the old gentleman, it's like someone cast those seeds yes. into you at yeah. some point, and you know, yeah. they took however long to grow, and yeah. now they're now you're blooming, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of my boys, you know, like they, yeah. they're to me, you know, like I grew up in Christian background and then yeah. was lost, but you know, when when push came to shove, I knew where north was. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that compass. Mm-hmm. That even if we can, you know, so they can, well, you know, that Christian man, and I never know where they're going to be when the Holy Spirit will, will go, remember that Christian man? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And remember the guy who loved you? Yep. You know, and, uh, and that's.
2: Yeah, I know, Rick, I think you said you grew up in a BIC church that in some ways being at Wayne Fleet reminds you of a church you grew up oh, in. Oh, yeah. I was... Whether some of the people that influenced you, even as a younger child, um, like for our people in our church today to think of the influence they can have on young people too when they're mm-hmm. little you know.
1: Kids. Yeah but I, I really think that you know and I don't know how accurate this is and a lot of time you know this is just my interpretation of life and you know I could be wrong and I'll know when I get to heaven whether I'm wrong or <laughs> right or wrong but when when I was 10 years old I was in a BIC church in St. Catharines. BIC line Church. And I, I'm always I always thought I was BIC so i uh-huh. and we had stockades brigades.
2: Oh yes. And I was
1: in mm-hmm. stockades I guess at grade 10. At 10 years of age and there was a corny old guy and and if you if you think of the hippie time that was going on you know loud clothes and weird shoes and everything and he had hobnail boots and black pants and you know no buttons and you know BIC man right
0: yeah you
1: know and uh but he was a wood carver and that summer we carved out of balsa wood race cars that were copies of the car the picture we chose from Merrittville Speedway. And oh, then me. we would paint them and he made the track. And we did that the whole summer. And his name is Bill Friesen. Yep. And I still remember his name. I was 10 years old. And at the end of it, he, 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 I gave my heart to the Lord. And I got a little Bible with Richard Kevin Osborne in gold embroidered Aww. on the Bible. Yeah. And even though I got lost my whole life, I wonder, you know, because ch- children are innocent. Yes. And I knew I loved Jesus, but the world got me. Yeah. And I was lost. And I went, you know what? I, I really think when I get to heaven, I'm going to get handed that Bible back and yeah. said, I had you from then. Oh, wow. You know? Wow. And uh, so, yeah. you know, it is, I look at the world differently because of what I've been through. Yeah. And so I look at my boys differently because of what I've been through. Yeah. You so easily could have said about me, he's written off.
0: Yeah. Good for nothing or, yeah. yep, no hope. Yeah. yeah. But there's always hope, right? Yep. And that's why you invest in these guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us about some of them?
1: Well, the one that I thought of right away yeah. when you was was a boy called the Hair Flipper, and uh, <laughs> because when I got him, you know, when I get boys, so it's usually maybe a ten week uh, period. Now, some like so the other day, one of my boys just stopped in and we did some work out here because I knew you we were coming and we need to clean up. Yeah. And he and it was a nice day and so he stopped. So I still see some of these boys over time but sometimes if there's a court involved it's a 10-week program two hours a week Mm -hmm. for 10 weeks but they need to agree to do this i do not work with them if they don't want if they don't want to do it i'm not wasting my time i'll I'll get them later and so i got this boy and he had a mop of hair and the whole time i was talking to him he was flipping his hair
0: (laughs) and it drove
1: me crazy i'm adhd and uh, I could not handle it. And when I came home, I said to my wife, I cannot take that boy. I can't sit in the room with him for 15 <laughs> minutes. It's going to drive me crazy. And she just smiled at me. And she says, ah, well, that's one of your boys. right?" Yep. And so I took him. And he really didn't like hot rods and he didn't like motorcycles, but he liked being with me. And, and so, I, so we'd go to our house here and uh, we'd watch movies and eat snacks and drink juice boxes. Yeah. And one day I took him, somebody gave me some money, gave me $40 and said, take one of your boys to eat. And so I said to him one day, you want to go have something to eat? You want to go to Harvey's? And he said, yes. So I drove him to Harvey's and when we got there, he said, "Uh, I'd like a chicken wrap, please. And that's the cheapest thing you can get there. And I said to him, you know, you can have whatever you want. And he looked at me and he went, what? And I said, you can have whatever you want. Well, he had a bacon Angus double cheeseburger with a milkshake with springs you know though and, yeah. and he was eating them before we even got to the car and just a big smile on his face and so my our 10 weeks were really good at the end of our 10 weeks i said you know i can keep because he's from a foster home he gets dropped off yeah. i can keep that happening yeah and so i said you know we have a car show on thursday nights. i can have i can get a ride for you here and we can go get a hot dog and a pop and what look at the cars and you can. and he looked at me and swore at me and so I was just going to go at him and say, you know, like after everything I did, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Like after everything I did for you, that's what you said to me. And I looked at him and God slapped me in the back of the head, yep. <laughs> which is my thing. And, uh, and I said, okay, God, what am I missing? So I looked at him standing there with his face screwed up. And I went, who do you think pays for you to come here? And he looked at me and listed it off about five agencies, starting at FACS and then running forward. Yeah. And at Port poor CARES. And in the courts. And I said, none of those people pay for you to be here. And he says, who pays for me to be here? And I said, some people in a church put money in the offering. And that's how this happened. And his eyes went big. Mm-hmm. And he went, you're kidding. And I said, no. He says, I've been eating your food. And I says, yes. And he said, I'd like to come Thursdays, please. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. He saw himself as a commodity. Oh. Yeah when he got dropped off the guy would write down his kilometers and get paid and so he thought i was getting paid to when he realized that this was people who from their heart were giving yeah. for him it made the whole outlook change for him yeah. and that boy still and okay. you know it, that boy that was it now yeah. he you know and you never know what's going to make something drop yeah. with young guys and what's going to make a difference and wow and uh, and and some boys you know i had i rarely get boys with two parents Yes. Right? Like, it, it is almost, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, angry young men with no fathers. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, you know, if, yeah. if somebody, I remember a, a, a cop asking me one time when I first got out of jail and started working with cops and youth and, they, you know, street gang. And he said, what's the biggest problem out there now? Ozzy well, drugs, street gang. What's the biggest problem? Yeah. And I said, the dissolution of the family unit. Yeah. I said, everything else is because of like after that, right? Mm-hmm. So I got, but I had a, a boy with two parents that was acting out in high school and got in trouble, you know, smoking weed or something and he a 10 week diversion program. And when I've got him, I'd say to him, okay, you know, with most of my boys, you get to tell me how your week is first. Yes. And then when whoever your caregiver just picks you up, then I get to ask them, right? You get first crack or you can, yep. you know, I'm going I'm going to find out when we So he said nothing and when they showed up, uh, he had been caught with a joint in his room. Uh, yeah. And they yelled at him and they shook they told me what they thought of him and how they had done this for him and how he's disappointed them and so when they were done, I said uh, I don't want anybody to move from the position you're in right now and I want you to notice something and they said what? I said where's your son standing? And they went behind you and i said why is he behind me i've known him for 10 weeks
2: mm-hmm.
1: i said i think you need to look at what you're doing in your son's life where he feels more comfortable standing behind yeah. me than right. you mm-hmm. so some you know like it's this th- sometimes you're working with the parents yeah. as much as you're working with the young person or working with about, the caregiver
0: i was talking about that with my daughters because it's um so in february it's pink shirt day and we talk about anti-bullying a lot yeah. and stuff like that and my kids said, why do we have all these pink shirt days? It doesn't seem to make much of a difference. We all just wear pink and the kids still bully each other. And, uh, and I said, well, you can't teach bullying by wearing a pink shirt to school, unfortunately. And my husband said, you learn bullying or not bullying at home and you practice it when you go out. Yep. And that's, you know. Yeah. The same idea you learn it at home and you practice it when you go yeah. out, right? And
1: and we don't, you know, my, my parents made mistakes with me. Yeah. Back in, you know, that you won't, you won't come with instructions. No. And, you know, and they have to live their life and they have other kids and, and they have to work. And, yep. and you know, when we're little, we're so, you know, and you just forgive that and God does it. But, you know, like I was bullied.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I spoke at a church a little while ago and... Uh, when I said to the boys, I, I talked a little bit about my story. And when I said, so when in grade six, when new kid, halfway through the school year, a mm-hmm. little bit of an odd duck, guess what happened to me? And they all said in unison, bullied. Yep. <laughs> and that was 25 kids about back in bullied. Not one of them looking at each other for that answer. They all knew that answer. Mm-hmm. And it really is the start of most of the trauma that happens with young men. Yeah. Is that where they don't fit in, where they're bullied, where they're meant to feel less? Than.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they look for healing or
1: yeah, or oh, restoration
0: wrong. in the wrong spot. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Wow.
2: During this missions month at church, mm-hmm. we've been talking a fair bit about being, being how we've been blessed to be a blessing, and I know at the outset of this podcast, um, we said guys like this don't exist. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you added in Rick o- only by God's grace. And so I think you've experienced a, a good measure of blessing in your life, even mm-hmm. having gone through some really, really down, dark times. And uh, we're hearing stories of you blessing others, these these young guys that come that you spend time with. yeah. And um, seeing how, I don't know what you, what you might credit that to, I think in what you were sharing with us on Sunday, talking about how God's love is is it probably a common thread in there where God has changed you and made such a big difference in your life and then that's something to share with others there or... yeah well yeah. I mean yeah. that,
1: I wouldn't you know when I say guys like me don't exist there's a reason that guys like me don't exist uh is, is it it can't happen in a secular setting mm-hmm. once you're damaged beyond you know PTSD yeah. right that once you're damaged beyond a certain thing then you're damaged goods and now you just uh bring yourself up to a functioning level. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't bless other people when you're only at a functioning level. But God does post-traumatic growth, not PTSD, right? Mm -hmm. Trauma makes you stronger. But you have to, like, it's a journey, you know? I never, during my whole walk as a Christian, I became a Christian in December of 1993. I was released from prison in October 2003. I did 10 years in that place, same place that I would cut myself every month, yeah. where I would fight, where I would be in solitary for eight, nine months at a time, where they, they just know what to do with me. That same place as, as a Christian, I miss. Wow. That's how much of a difference it was. Another important thing I think to say is that when I came, when it came time, you know, we talked about how God shaped me to to work with young men. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm entirely tattooed, by the way. Yeah. I have like 480 tattoos or one wow. kind of depends on how you'll get things, right? <laughs> and, uh, but that, you know, and I saying to God, oh, what am I going to do? I have these terrible tattoos on me and everything. And God just went, that's how they're going to know you're real.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, and so, so it is that. But when I, when I caught close to getting out, I wanted to speak in churches. Of course, I want to give my testimony. I want yeah. people to know what what God brought me through, you know. And uh, and then I thought right away, how is anybody ever going to relate to a guy who spent 25 years in prison? And, and then I came out and realized the prisons you guys make for yourselves out here <laughs> make mine look like nothing. Brick and mortar prisons are easy to leave. Ones you make for yourself mm-hmm. are way harder and men make their own prisons, yeah. right? And I learned that. Pretty quickly. And, and by the way, I wasn't hanging around with many bad guys when I got out. I was a Christian. And so I was seeing Christian men that were living in their own prisons that they made. Yeah. yeah. You know, their own restrictions, their own yeah. beliefs, their own doubts, their own, you know. Yeah. Um, and I've never, like, uh, you, you know, in prison, if I would have had a dime for every time I had a guy walk up next to me as a Christian and say, how are you like this? Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have to tell people that I was a Christian. They knew I was. You know, because they tried me every way. But, <laughs> believe me, I got tempted everywhere because they didn't like. They thought. Yeah. They thought Christians were weak, and then they started seeing a strong one, mm-hmm. and I went, "Oh, that's what this is about." Because I never got out a day early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus made me do my whole sentence, <laughs> you know? yeah. and I needed another five years on the street yeah, with my wife holding my identity mm-hmm. until I, I would slowly start making my decisions because, you know, 25 years of not making decisions. You know, when you can't even... Oh. I would go to places and stand there and stand there and Heather goes, you know, you can open the door yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Heather, just, Heather's your wife, right? Yeah, know, Heather's yeah. my wife, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah and that was a gift from God.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow.
1: I used to... Uh, she was a teacher from Queen's University that oh, wow. would come into the prison and...
0: Is that how you met? Yes. Oh wow! <laughs> and she incredible. worked in prisons
1: for years, and yeah. and uh, and you know when I first came out, I'm speaking in schools all over the place, and, and she's a vice principal at a high school where we lived in the town, at the city, Newmarket. And uh, one day I came home, and she said, uh, "Oh, I heard you had a speaking engagement here," and I said, "Yes." And she said, "I want to talk to you about something you're saying, which is wrong, and you need to stop saying it." And I thought, boy, I screen everything I say, like. I'm really good at, you know, so I sit there and wait for her to sit down with me. And she said, you say you married up. And everybody laughs when you tell them about me. She goes, I married up. I oh. wasn't a Christian when I met you. Uh-huh. She wow. said, I got eternal life out of the deal. So quit saying that. And so uh-huh. I quit saying. That's
0: <laughs> wow, that's incredible.
1: Yeah, so I didn't realize that I was saying something that was actually hurting her. Yeah. saying it, right? And
0: wow. You have such a beautiful story, Rick.
1: Oh, it's, it's like, I, and, and it just, I am blessed. Yeah. You know, I, f- I should get a t-shirt with that on. Yeah. Or, you I know, think so people can would... go, how?
2: <laughs> yeah. But,
1: you know, I have no money, but I am blessed. Yeah. And it's just, God takes, you know, he's sufficient. Yes. And that's, you needs. know, like he's mm-hmm. sufficient for your needs, right? And, yeah. And I'm not supposed to have a lot of money. I'm yeah. supposed to have a lot of kids. Yeah. Hanging around me, right? <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, I have seven kids that call me Papa, oh. you know, and when I was not a Christian, I could never imagine being married and I could never imagine having a child. I'll never be a husband okay. and I'll never be a father. And God went, oh, yeah, well, i I'll got plans you. for you. Yep. you know? yep. And so, but I could never, nowhere in my walk could I ever see what he was going to do next. Mm-hmm.
0: And God then what he did, this... I
2: was fine with that. And...
0: Yeah. He's got a beautiful way of surprising us sometimes, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. 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 Well, Rick, do you have any closing thoughts or encouragement for us?
1: Well, you know, as a church, you know, when Trevor talked about church and everything, you know, it's not just when you describe Aussie's Garage, you know, working with at-risk boys. It really is a lot more because it's at-risk families. Yeah. And at-risk moms and at-risk grandmas and at-risk sisters that are Mm -hmm. taking care of young men, you know. But young men, you know what they end up being? Strong Christian men. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and I don't, it's, I'm just planting the seed, right? But the thing is, when I'm done, all of them know a Christian man, right? And they have that example. And I put Bible yeah. verses into their heads. You know, when I was, when I was in prison, I didn't have Bible verses in my head, except for John 3:16. Yep. Uh-huh. I had that drilled into my head. I could say it off for, off for, you know, we'd said it, the uh, begotten son, yeah. which sometimes isn't it. But that's what I, I could rep. And so when I was in that prison cell, ready to commit suicide when I was done at 36 Mm -hmm. all my guys I was a biker all my guys were done they'd died two years earlier my last guy died and I was I couldn't live in the real world and I had enough heroin to kill 10 people and I was just ready to go and that Bible verse came to me and I but also from reading New Testament Luke Mm -hmm. the guy on the cross next to Jesus yeah and I went oh the whole Bible that well I've only read New Testament in there Gideon New Testament. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. the, out of the whole thing, it's the only guy I could relate to. Oh I can be him. Uh, <laughs> I yep. can be the guy, the thief on the cross, yes. I can be him, right? Yeah. And yeah. so that was my prayer. Let let me die like a man when it's my turn in the yard. Let me go to heaven by grace, like the guy on the cross next to you. And that was and I didn't even I didn't even know whether I knew myself enough to give my heart to the Lord because I didn't know who I was, but I knew enough to say thank you and I can mm-hmm. I be that guy. And that wow. was enough. Wow. And that started my walk.
0: Yeah. So. Oh, thank you, Rick. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having us and for being on our podcast today. You're welcome. No Do you mind sharing your email address if anyone would uh, want to reach out to you or encourage you or have a question or something?
1: Rick Osborne at Rogers.com.
0: Rick Osborne <laughs> at Rogers.com. Yeah. Thank you very much. And mm-hmm. if you'd like to get in touch with Pastor Trevor, his email address is Trevor at WayneFleetBIC.com. And my email address is julie at waynefleetbic.com. So, Rick, we will continue to pray for you. Thank um, you. As we have been. And, um, yeah, thank you very much. Okay. So thank you for tuning in today. Did you have something to add, Trevor? No, I'm just
2: glad that that Rick was able to share with us and all of our listeners today as well. And we look forward to continuing to follow along with your story as a church and your ministry and to partner where we can.
0: Yes. Thank you. So we look forward to connecting with you again next week. And thank you for tuning in. Bye.